Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. I'm excited. We're in a series called Uncharted. And I'll just read out what Uncharted actually means. And uh, Uncharted means not recorded or plotted on a map, chart, or plan. How many people know that we are in uncharted times, uncharted territory? We are really in the uncharted. We don't know from uh, day to day hardly what's going what's to go on. Every, every week, surely, the, the whole thing changes. The world's changing. Uh, it's just going crazy, isn't it? And, and it just feels like it's all out of control, and we're walking into an undiscovered uh, territory every day. We're in uncharted times, and I've called this message, not the greatest message ever preached, but you could call it that at the end if you want, uh, but I've called it uncharted greatness. Uncharted greatness. If I said to you right now, be, being honest, how many of you really want to be great? Okay, there's a few people that want to be great here. I hope that you all want to be great at the end of this message, or I won't have hit my goal, or at least be challenged uh, to want to be great. So what do you do when life is uncharted? You're stepping into uncharted, or we could say unpredictable times. What do you do when life isn't predictable, when the future isn't just nice and mapped out for you? And that's what we're going to look at this morning in the context of being great. I want you to go with me over to Mark chapter 10, and we'll just start. We'll go 35 to uh, 41. And this is probably, this passage of Scripture, this, this account of what happened, it has to be, uh, if not the most, one of the most misunderstood accounts uh, that ever happened in the whole Bible. And this is incredible what's in here, but most people don't see it. They just totally miss it. In Mark chapter 10, it says, Then James and, and John, verse uh, 40, verse 35, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, got to say it quick, came to him. Teacher, they said. Uh, you know, I am a teacher, and I do love to teach the Word of God, and, but I also like to preach. Preaching, teaching, they, they can be combined, but they're usually two separate things. Usually preaching is just like lots of, you know, oh, outward uh, froth and bubble, uh, motivation, inspiration. I love that, but I also love content. So I'm a, I'm a double-sided man. There's two of me. I've got an evil clone. I've got a clone over here that says, be a preacher. I've got another clone over here. They're twins. And, and he goes, teach. You've got to teach. You've got to get into the Word. You've got to unpack this. It's content. It's not just delivery. No, delivery is everything. Content, forget about that. So there's two sides going at war right now. And I just want to stop with every word here. Teacher, notice they didn't call him Lord. They call them teacher. A lot of people know Jesus as teacher. A lot of his disciples knew him as a teacher, but they weren't following him. They were after the nuggets of truth. They just, you know, wanted to know the wisdom. They wanted to know when is the kingdom coming? When is Rome going to get overthrown? The Caesars were torturing people. These people were slaves. They were under slavery at the time. Intense persecution was happening, but it was even going to be dialed up from where it was at, but yet they know him as teacher because following him as Lord requires something called sacrifice. 
And uh, it really gets uncharted when they finally discover him as Lord, not just uh, as a teacher. But look at this. They come to him and they say, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. <laughs> like, really? Like, how many prayer meetings do you go to where somebody goes, uh, yeah, Jesus, you know, we're praying, uh, give me what I want, amen, and maybe just a whole list of things. It was such an audacious thing that they said that, that pretty well every commentator that I read uh, said, look at the carnality uh, of these two guys. Look at how carnal they were to actually dare to go to the creator of the universe and say, we want you to do <laughs> for us, not just this small thing like we'd like to have a house. Grandma wants a, a, a different donkey. You know, uh, we'd like a bit of food on the table. We want you to do for us whatever we want. In other words, God, write a check out, make it blank. Let us fill in the amount. Like, well, how audacious is this? And look, look at this. And, 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 uh, and then Jesus says, well, what do you want? What, what do you want me to do for you? Notice, notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, no, access denied. That's stupid. You guys are idiots. You're selfish twits. He doesn't say any of those things. He says, what do you want me to do for you? And they replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. In other words, in heaven. Like, this could not get any bigger than that. They had thought about this. Just give us the blank check. We'll fill it in. We'll take care of the amount, the details. You know, here's a pen already. You just sign that thing before we put the amount in. And they go to the highest possible thing that you could possibly ask for. We, want, we can't sit on the throne. We know that. We get that one. We don't want to die. But we want to sit one of us at your left and the other one at your right in heaven. Now, immediately, again, commentators go, this is just the most absurd, selfish thing that anybody could possibly ask for. It was so carnal, and, and, and Jesus denied that. He got stuck into them. Everybody rebuked him. Some did rebuke him, but it wasn't Jesus. Have you ever thought about heaven? Have you ever really thought, or am I the only one? What's heaven like, anyway? Like, is it, uh, you know, the streets of gold? The, the pearly gates with Peter there, ready to tell a joke or, or two, ask some questions to get in, like how do you spell Czechoslovakia? You know, uh, not easy things. You gotta, you know, you gotta answer the question or the gates don't open. Uh, I think of myriads of angels. Like we're not talking about one or two that can sing heavenly hosts. There's like thousands and thousands upon ten thousands of the saints up there already, people that have died. I think about love and joy and peace and all of those things, not just a little spattering of it occasionally here and there, but talking about like 
it's just permeated the air. The whole, the whole atmosphere of heaven is amazing. Mansions and, you know, if you read the Bible, it's like this is like crazy good. The gates are gigantic pearls. The, the, the city, of, the heavenly city uh, is like the size of from here to Perth, only cubed. Like that's not a, that's like, you know, that's, that's kind of off the charts. Uh, I think about all of God's people gathered in one place. It, there's one thing, though, that really gets me about when I start to think of heaven, and maybe you're the same. What are we going to do there? <laughs> like, I get bored 10 minutes into something. Hey, let's go play mini golf. Okay, yeah, we're about halfway through. It's like, let's go get a burger or something. Let's, let's go do something else. Let's, you know, go to the beach. Okay, I could spend a lot of time on the beach, but we're getting burnt. So got to leave. But, you know, I think about heaven, and my thought, I just cannot visualize, conceptualize, what is this going to be and what am I going to do? And, and, and I know Jesus gave us the way in, but what are we going to do when we get there? Am I, am I alone on that or have you ever thought about that? And yet the Bible's answer to that is, well, eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, uh, nor has it even entered into the heart of men what they're going to be doing or what heaven's like or what God has in store for us. In other words, it's so far out there that I really, with your little pea brain, uh, you cannot comprehend it. I like that, but it's uncharted, so I don't like it at the same time. It's, it's, it's uncharted territory, and these guys are asking the most audacious request for the most audacious uncharted place called God's glory or heaven. They want the highest place in the highest space. Do you know what? Jesus answers verse 38. <laughs> I love this. He says, you don't know what you're asking. He didn't say request denied. He just says, uh, you don't know what you're asking. Not, I rebuke you for asking it. In other words, you don't understand your request. But he's about to unpack it for these two disciples, and he's going to unpack it for you, I hope, this morning, that question how do you become great anyway? And how, do you, how, how would you become even great enough? How, how could you become as great as you could possibly? These guys lifted greatness to the absolute zenith, to the you know, Everest, if you will, of greatness. Right side of the throne, left side of the throne. And look what Jesus answers. He says this in verse 38. He says, can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. Now, most people, if they didn't read on, would go, of course not, that's stupid. I mean, the cup that he's talking about here, he refers to in the Garden of Gethsemane when all, uh, he sweats drops of, of blood because all of the sin of humanity was about to come on him. He, he who knew no sin, that word no is like intimate, is in uh, 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 a man and a woman. He who knew no sin. Sin, never missed it, had, had nothing in him that was of a sinful nature. He's perfect love. He is perfect in truth. He's perfect in every way. He had no intimate knowledge with what we have in our heart. He had no sin at all, and he was going to take all of that and then be crucified in the most horrific way uh, on a cross, ridiculed, uh, have abuse hurled at him. He who died to save everybody was going to be condemned by everybody, abused by the very creation that he created and then came in to save. I think about that. 
He's in the garden and he says to God, he cries out. He says, Father, like, if it's possible, if it's possible for me to do this, please take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, your will, not mine, be done. And he drinks of that cup of suffering, that sorrow, his blood filling the cup. He, he, he became the sacrifice. And so he asked these two, he goes, are you able to drink of the cup that I drink from? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering, in other words, that I'm going to be baptized with? And they go, yeah. And look what his response is, because we'd say there's no way. They said we can. Verse 39, and Jesus said to him, you will. We can, you will. Still not know. His, his answer to their request is still not no. You just don't understand what you're asking, but let me unpack it. Let me explain it to you, and, and, and then we'll see where you're going to go with this. So, so they said, he said, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. James was slain with the sword. If you read in Acts, I forget what chapter, but James gets slain with, with the sword. Gets his, he gets decapitated. He definitely drank that cup. He suffered. John, on the Isle of Patmos, he wrote uh, the book of Reve or the letters of Revelation. We call it the book of Revelation. Uh, history has it. He was boiled in oil. He was baptized in, in, in the most suffering way, chipping rocks and getting revelations from God. And then time's up. This is the way you're going to go out. Jesus in the garden. So look at verse, verse 40. Jesus is still unpacking this for them, and I, I hope he unpacks it for us this morning. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. In other words, I can't give this to you. This isn't something I can just go, okay, I appoint you right, I appoint you left. This is not a political position where you can get appointed to be the governor general or people are going to take a vote on it. You might be prime minister or president or some political position. I, I, it's not mine to give to you guys. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared or appointed. In other words, these positions aren't given like the positions of this world. You have to be it to receive it. Wouldn't it be good if at election time the person actually had to be prime ministerial? <laughs> that they couldn't be put in that position and then, then we find out, oh my God, I'm not talking about our, I'm not talking about our current prime minister or presidents or I'm not getting it, I'm not going there, so you know, <laughs> don't make something up here. But you know, what if the president of the United States has to first be the president? <laughs> you know, be presidential. Carry himself like that or herself. And then they became, because it was just like recognized. Think of all the positions in your life right now. Think about all the jobs you've had and all the bosses that you've worked for. People that have been in your world above you and you think, you know, I just can't stand working for him another day because the guy's on dropkick. You know, I can't stand. Some people are going, yeah, yeah. That's me. It's terrible. Because usually people get appointed. They get given stuff that they really don't deserve. In other words, uh, the position is there, but the character can't maintain it because the character never got it there in the first place. 
to sit at his right, to have those positions. Jesus says, look, I can't give you that. It's not something I just go, okay, I appoint you like Caesar. I appoint you, you know, governor or whatever. I appoint you uh, right and left in my kingdom. You've got to be that to get that. You know, most of what we do in the kingdom of God, Christianity, uh, church life, even if you will, most of that is becoming. It's not being or, or doing, rather. It's not, it's not works by the sweat of your brow that's going to get you some position when it comes to whatever heaven's got in store. It's unchartered. In other words, as you're becoming, you're becoming. And if you're not becoming, you're not going to become. And so he says in verse 41, listen to this. And when the ten heard about this, oh man, ten of them never asked that. These two guys did. They're brothers. It says they became indignant with James and John, like Judas did when uh, that woman poured perfume on Jesus' feet and wiped it with her hair. It was a, a year's worth of perfume, and, and Judas gets really upset. That, that, what a waste! That could have been sold. It's a whole year's. Could have been in the treasury so I could steal it later. And, and uh, you know, whoa, he just get, went off the scale. Whenever you see people get indignant about something, usually it's because they've got the problem. I can't tell you how many preachers I've watched rail on about sin only to discover they were in it. Every time. I get, I get alarm bells when I hear that. I go, man, what do you got going now, pal? It'll come out. These guys, he pushed, they pushed a button with these ten. They got indignant. Again, these commentaries go, you know, Jesus got mad and he, he, he rebuked them and da-da-da-da-da. It's not in there. He didn't do that. Read the commentary. Uh, read the story. And, and, and they got indignant. When you know that God isn't your genie, <laughs> it's, it's pretty easy to get mad at people that you think are calling God a genie. They're looking at the 12, and they kind of know something about the character of, of, of Jesus by now, and they're like, oh, you guys, I'll dare you to ask our friend, our, our teacher, for such a silly thing, like, who do you think he is, Father Christmas or a genie? And they get indignant. And perhaps these two thought of him that way. But where did they get the audacity for this outrageous request. How did they drum up such a scheme? In fact, another, uh, I think it's in Matthew, they even got their mother, they actually got their mother to go to, to, go to Jesus on behalf of, of the two of them because it was so audacious to ask uh, uh, this request. How, where did they get this from? I'm glad you asked John chapter 14. I'm going to go 12 to 14. There is a big revelation in this for you. You just got to hang on. Jesus is talking to him. He's teaching. And in John 14, verse 12, he says, Very truly, another translation, verily, verily, or truly, truly. He is the truth. He doesn't have to say, oh, I'm telling the truth, because he is the truth. But when he says that, very truly, or verily, I say, or, or truly, truly, he's, he's emphasizing something like, and the something is this, this is going to be so hard for you to get your head around that your brain's going to reject this. So I, I want this to go into you. So I'm going to tell you, I, I'm telling you the truth here. I'm, brace yourself for something really, really big, church. Ra brace yourself, disciples, for something really, really big. Very truly, I, Jesus, 
tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, like raising the dead, blind eyes open, deaf ears open, the lame getting up and walking, uh, you know, just some minor stuff. <laughs> this is so audacious. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things. This is the preacher clone over here wanting to come out and the teacher, shut up. Uh, <laughs> even greater things than these. What the heck? Like, really? Like, what? You know, if I could even get to healing a fly with a headache, it would be a pretty big deal. But, you know, greater things than these? Come on, really? Very truly. Truly, truly. Because I'm going to the Father. Now, verse 13. This is where they got their request from, and I don't blame them. I think it's pretty cool. Jesus, again, I will do whatever you ask. <laughs> in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. In case there's any doubt, look at verse 14. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Hello? Can you imagine? Those 12, they probably thought, yeah, he doesn't really mean that. You know, he was speaking metaphorically in a hyperbole, parabole. He was joking, guys. You know how Jesus tells jokes? It was a joke. No, 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 no. It wasn't a joke. It wasn't a parable. It was truth. It was fact. Your heads are squirming right now with it, I'm sure, as mine did for a long time. And these two guys, they're brothers. They're close. They're tighter than tight. Jesus had the 12, but out of the 12, he had two that were the inner circle. Uh, three counting Peter, rather. They were like at the core of this thing. He, he gave them inside information about stuff that the others couldn't really handle. They could follow him to a degree. But these two are, are so tight, these sons of Zebedee. And, and, and they're probably breaking off on these long Jesus walks across peninsulas and deserts and mountains and all the rest of it. They probably break off and, hey, man, uh, did you hear what he said? Yeah, yeah, I heard it, man. In fact, I wanted to talk to you about it, like, Make sure the others are sleeping so they don't hear this discussion. He, he said, did, did we hear him right? Did, did, did we hear him say that we're going to do greater things than he did? We, we just got finished watching him, you know, heal leprosy. We just got through watching uh, a, a deaf person that could hear again. Even greater, he says. Did you hear the bit about, I will do whatever you ask in my name? Did you catch that? Yeah, I did. And then he, he bombed the target again in verse 14, even though verse 14 wasn't, wasn't in the conversation. You may ask me for anything. Did you, did you get that? And he said, I will do it. I got it. Like, that's insane. That's incredible. But you know what? He's told us the truth all along. We don't, we don't have any reason to doubt. What are we going to ask him for? He's cut us a blank check. So they go away, and they're thinking about it. They come up with the greatest thing they could possibly ask for. It wasn't, why don't we ask him for a few hundred denarii? Oh, you know, we could use, instead of walking all this way, we could use a nice donkey or a cult. Maybe we could get one of those chariots. Maybe we could get a promotion. 
Maybe we can get a new house or whatever. No, no, no. They take it to the highest possible ask. The highest possible place. Now, Jesus doesn't rebuke them. In fact, one of the things I've noticed about Jesus is he wants us to expect more. Most of us don't get much because we don't expect much. Let's just face it. Most of us, it's like if somebody with a squillion dollars said, hey, let's go out to eat. And you know, money's not an object. You know, Jeff Bezos, owner of Amazon, or uh, Elon Musk, you know, overtaking him, I believe, is the richest man. Or Bill Gates, you know, they're kind of, uh, you know, jockeying for the number one richest person in the world. If, if, if one of them rang you up and they said, hey, you know, on the Sunshine Coast, I've been watching your Instagram, man, you are off the charts. Those, you are so funny and so wise and, and so entertaining. Like, I've just been tapping into this. I'm, I'm on the Sunshine Coast. I want to take you out to eat. Where would we go? Are you going to go, well, you know, maybe uh, Hungry Jack's, <laughs> McDonald's, or no, a really cheap place, you know, down the road. No, no, I, I don't think so. Uh, when, they, when they pick you up in the limousine after they get out of the Learjet or whatever, and they, they walk, you know, uh, over across the tarmac, and, and you know, they're, they're looking at you, and they go, where do you want to go? Are, are you going to go? <laughs> well, there's a really good deal. You know, most of the meals are under $26 a plate. And when you sit down with them, are you going to go, oh, I don't know, like, you know, what should I order here? It's like, order whatever you want. I've got the resources. I can pick up the tab. I think I'm quite ready to pick up the tab. In fact, somebody said once about Bill Gates, he was making so much money that it would not be worth his while to even bend over and pick up $1,000. It's not, that's how much, you know, that time He's making, it's not, no, leave it on the ground, we're out of here. Like, that's how, that's how, and think about God for a moment. Think about all the resources. Think about, yes, heaven and streets of gold. Think about the power that he has. If you, you may ask me anything and I will do it. He wants to reset your desire upward. He wants you to increase your ask. In fact, that word ask in the Greek language is the word demand. Not demanding God do something, but placing a demand on a power supply. You can't light these lights up if you don't plug it into the resource to the power supply. The power flowing through from the power plant is not going to light that battery up. If you don't place a demand on the supply, then you're not going to get the result from that. And he's saying, look, put a demand on it. Ask me for something. And so Jesus has to redefine our expectation Upwards. How, how do you become great? What's the great, what's the road to uncharted greatness? Uh, if you're taking notes, I don't have a one, two, three here, but you know, get an expectation increase. Let him reset your expectation higher. So Jesus wants to do something amazing here, but, but he not only has to get you to see a lot higher than what you're seeing right now. When I asked that question, who wants to be great? There was a little whimper. A few people. Yeah, kind of, I, I think. You know, it depends on what you mean by that. <sighs> See, Jesus has to also, he has to also redefine you. He has to cause you to see something. He has to redefine 
in you. He has to reset your desire, and then he has to also redefine greatness. I want you to go with me to Mark 10.42. Listen to this. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus redefines greatness, but the way to greatness, the way up, is down. That's why I've called this message Uncharted Greatness, or I could say, we could say it this way, the uncharted course or road to greatness. It's not the way that the world gives positions, they, they gift it, or you're, you're, uh, you're given something. This is different than that. You have to become that. Listen to Luke 14 and 8 to, to uh, 11. It says, when someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. Gail and I like to go to the movies occasionally, and we go, we pay our ticket, buy our ticket rather. Whenever they have like an assigned seat at the movies, uh, we try to pick out what we think, you know, front or back or middle row or uh, aisle or whatever, so we're not too close to the screen, you know, looking up like that and, uh, and, and trying to stay right in the middle. But often, uh, the person that's selling the ticket won't show us what the configuration is. So we get in, and then we'll go, well, why don't we just, there's nobody sitting there. Why don't we just move up a few seats or move back a few seats? But almost every single time we sit down thinking nobody's going to be sitting here, the movie started, and then guess what? Sure as anything, five, ten minutes after the movie starts, here comes somebody, they're looking at their ticket, and I go, Gail, we're going to have to move. And uh, they, they invariably will say, you're in my seat, and we got to get up, and then we move to another place. And it's like, let's just sit where the ticket was that we bought. I don't know if you've ever been embarrassed like that, but you find yourself sitting somewhere that uh, you weren't supposed to be sitting, and, and it's embarrassing. And, and Jesus here says, don't take that position. This isn't something that, that we take. We're supposed to be giving uh, not taking, but verse 10, but when you're invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Isn't it nice to have friends in high places? And the way to be a friend of Jesus is to serve with Jesus, not to take positions and call yourself something and, and try to be somebody. It's to serve somebody. It's to take the lowest position. He says, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves 
will be exalted. I think that one of the biggest problems that people have with serving is that they're insecure. The more secure that you are in yourself, the, the, the more willingly that you will serve other people because your security, your identity is in God and you're secure in Him. Therefore, whether it's cleaning toilets, whether it's vacuuming, opening doors for people, uh, taking the lowest place, it becomes easy when you know that your identity is in Christ, not in other people's opinions. I find that people that are, that are insecure will often try to take positions. They try to be somebody, uh, you know, whether that's social media or today, of course, that's, you know, everybody wants to be famous. They want to be somebody. Uh, but, but serving is not like that. It comes out of security. And so when you're secure, you can serve. God determines your identity and nobody else. Your identity moves with your destiny. I think that's worth tweeting. That, that is worth everything. Your identity moves with your destiny and it comes out of your security in Him. Jesus issues you your identity. Listen to what he did for the disciples. I'm just going to go to Mark 3 and, and, and 16. He, he, he calls those who he wants, the 12, and then he appoints them. And it says in verse 16, These are the 12 he appointed. Simon, who he gave the name Peter. Notice the name change. But notice also that when God renames you and when he calls you something, when God identifies you and tells you you are identified, it's never demeaning. He never puts you down. He always elevates and lifts you up and encourages you. And, and Simon meant read, blowing all over the place. That was Simon. He was just here, there, and had his opinions and everything else. Have you ever met somebody like that? They're just so opinionated, but their opinion goes from here over to there. Depends on what they're Googling or, or, or what they've read, uh, some conspiracy theory or something else. But, but God renames us and he gives us identity and he gave Simon rock. He says, you've been blowing around, now I'm going to give you a place, a position, an identity in me where you will be stabilized and upon the rock of revelation of who I am, I will build my church. That's pretty good. Verse 17, and then James and John, listen to this, James the son of Zebedee and his brother John, to them he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder. Now I've heard preachers preach this that the reason he gave them that is because they were loud and boisterous. They wanted to call down fire upon the Samaritans, which they did do at one stage. So God actually, re he rebukes them. He's kind of, I think they've got this idea that there's some kind of a sarcastic God, uh, this God that's cynical somewhere. Not, not the God that I know. Not the God of the Bible. He's not a cynic and he's not sarcastic. He's an uplifting God. He's a God that establishes your identity. And when he named them Boanerges, which means sons of thunder, it was not a demeaning thing. He was not putting them down. He was not making fun of the fact that they were zealous and wanted to call down fire upon the Samaritans for not receiving Jesus. But what Boanerges means is this. It means sons of the word son means bane, and it means somebody that's going to take from one generation to the other. And, and, and it means this, 
It means sons of thunder. It means you will have a voice. Listen to the voice of God when it's referred to in Scripture in Psalm 29, 3-9. to The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The, the God of glory thunders. This is the voice of God. Thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord breaks into pieces the cedars of Lebanon. You are going to be sons to take my voice into the world, into a dying world with power. Listen to 2 Samuel 22, talking again about the voice of the Lord being thunder. The Lord thundered, thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice. Psalm 18, 13, there's a lot of these. The Lord also thundered from the heavens, and the, the, uh, the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coal and fire. So when he was calling them Boanerges, or sons of thunder, it's not a put down. It literally means they were going to be the voice of a powerful preacher preaching the gospel. That's, that's our God, uplifting, always bringing us up, always giving us identity that affirms who we are in him so that we can have power, not a weak little mamby-pamby voice, not somebody that's just going to, you know, shut up and be the doormat to the devil, but power when you utter the word of God. He is never demeaning. Abram, exalted father, means uh, was, was changed to Abraham, meaning, meaning the father of nations. I think about Jacob when he changed his name from Jacob means deceiver. He, he changed his name to Israel, which means triumphant with God. You are sons of thunder. You will say what I say with power. You will speak life to a dying world. You will serve in a way to, uh, that, that, that will bring people to the highest identity, the, to their highest a position which is in Christ. Today, God wants to issue an invitation to you. It's an invitation to greatness. That's why I said that this message could be called the greatest sermon or greatest message ever preached. It's the road to greatness. It's a chartered course in an uncharted world of how to be great in the kingdom of God. And today, God is issuing you an invitation to greatness. Will you serve your way to greatness? That's the question. Some people complain about being served, not being served well enough. Other people complain and, and, and they're cynical about serving. And, you know, people that serve, they're called minions and put down and everything else. Friend, serving is an honor. Serving is a privilege. If you knew that when you serve, that you are actually great in the kingdom of God, you wouldn't say no to serving God. You would serve at every opportunity that you had. Everyone we know that's great in God's kingdom got there the only way, one way, by serving other people. I think about Joseph and how he was uh, you know, put in a pit and sold uh, by his own brothers and, and, and put in prison and, and, and in Potiphar's house. And, but he became the prime minister of Israel. How? By serving. I think of Moses. He started out at the right hand of Pharaoh. Then he went and served his people all the way, not taking the position that was offered through Egypt, but taking the lower position to serve his people. My people, God said, I want them to be free. Moses got in the face of Pharaoh. 
neglecting and stepping down from his position, he, he said, let my people go. And he served the people of God. David became great by serving Saul. Everybody in the Bible became great by serving. God is not out to give you a position. He's asking you to be great by serving your way upward. And God will one day he will, he, you will find out just how great everything that you did in making other people beautiful and serving other people, encouraging people, even a, a pat on the back, an encouraging word, just a hug for somebody that needs it. The opportunities are everywhere. See, God loves people. We talked about heaven and the streets of gold. God's not interested in the streets of gold. He's interested in the saints that walk on the streets of gold. That's our God. He is interested. He's not interested in what you do for him. He's interested in who you become in him and you become that through serving. He wants your faith, not your works, but God wants your faith and he wants you to grow. So Jesus is offering you a way. The way that you know you are following him is by serving others. My question and my challenge to you this morning is this. Will you take the uncharted course to greatness through serving other people. Will you, at the end of the day, be able to hear from him, well done. In fact, even better than that, great job. As much as you did it unto the least of these, you did it unto me. Will you take the humble path, the lower path? Will you go downward first to go upward later? Will you serve the people that God died for? I wanna pray for you because there's so many opportunities. And, and I just have one question in closing, and it's this, how great do you wanna be? Well, your willingness to, to serve will become that. The greatest message, honestly, ever preached is take up your cross and follow me. So I'm gonna pray for you right now, and I'm gonna pray for opportunities to come your way, for you, your eyes to be open so that you can see just how great God wants you to become in his kingdom and how much he loves the people that he's put in your world and put you in their world. Father, I thank you right now in Jesus' name. Open our eyes. I thank you right now. Help us to take the lower way so that we can actually be on the highway. Give us the power, Father, in Jesus' name. If you don't know Jesus right now and um, you're, you're here, you've never made him the Lord of your life, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer, and it's really easy. This is not complicated, but God firstly wants to become the Lord of your life, and he, uh, he did so much to save you. So we're just going to pray right now. So if you want to pray this prayer with me right now, say, Jesus, come into my heart. I give you my life. Amen. Well, God bless you. Make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, let us know on Facebook, of course. You can message or, or go to our website, citychurch.net. And, and let us know if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life. And let us know also uh, if you have some prayer needs. We'd love to be praying for you. God bless you. And uh, we hope to see you next time as we're looking at part three in Uncharted. God bless. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website 
at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.